Father, we just thank you, Father. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are our head. One greater than Aaron is our head. And the Father has anointed you with the oil of gladness. And I pray the anointing will flow into your body this morning, Lord. Oh, Father, the joy which only you can give. Irrespective of our circumstances, anoint us today, Lord. Let that anointing flow, breaking every yoke, Father. Oh, Father, healing your children, strengthening your children, setting free your children, Lord, so that, Lord, we can hear what you have to teach us, Lord. Teach us today. We have come back again for the ministry of the word, Lord. Your word is life. It's always life to those who receive it, Lord. Help us to receive your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come with the entire church into thy hands. And I continue to speak healing into the body of Christ. And we shall pick up our mat and walk and continue serving the Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Second Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, he is, not was or will be, he is, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, we've been looking over the weeks of, we call it the B series now, not the B, double E, but then they will be humming here. But the B series, that God is making us into something. Basically, he's making us like him. Okay, What God did with Adam and Eve in the new creation, he's recreating us in his own image. And if you look about salvation through the Bible, the two most uh, comprehensive statements made is one what Jesus tells Nicodemus. You have to be born again. That is a statement that baffles everybody. How do I get born again? I mean, I would start all over again, not start all over again. You have to be born again. The next comprehensive statement is what the Spirit gives through Apostle Paul. If therefore, if you are born again, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay? So this is our issue. Our issue is with this. <laughs> we know how comprehensive salvation is. Okay, We have been born again by the truth, by the incorruptible seed, the word of God. And then comes reality. Check. Where is the struggle? Of course, sometimes when we see people who have radically changed, we see people, we be, read biographies of people who radically changed. You'll say, you know what, that is what, that is what is real. Okay. But let's look at and see as to where does the real block lie? What is the real block? We're talking to believers. Okay, we're talking to believers. Where does the real block lie in us becoming new creation? We'll begin with the Gospel of Mark. Okay. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1. In the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It begins with that. The Gospel 
of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I sent my messenger before your face. Who will prepare you? I will stop there, okay? Who will prepare your way before? 600 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah had prophesied, before Jesus can come, the forerunner will go. He is the messenger. He will go before your way. What is his job? He's got only one job, is to prepare the way for the Lord. That is John's job. John prepares the way. If John doesn't go, Jesus cannot come. John has to prepare the way so Jesus can come in. And how does he prepare the way? Verse 3 and 4. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. His job is to make the path straight so the prince of glory can come. What was it did? John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. This was his entire ministry. And all the land of Judea, yeah, verse 5, Judea and from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Okay. So if you look at John's ministry, we will understand Jesus' ministry. If Jesus has to come, John has to go ahead. If John doesn't go ahead, Jesus will not come. Okay. So the way John prepared the way was through the ministry of repentance. He had only one message, repent. Simple message, very simple, very powerful, repent. It is through repentance that the hearts of the people were prepared for the Messiah to come into the lives of the people. Okay. Now we as Christians, we as believers, we all know the importance of faith. We are well versed. We know Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. You can go sit there. There'll be very less people today. Okay, sit there. Come child, sit here. Sit with me, okay? Come sit, okay? Don't worry about, uh, there'll be very few because of the viral has gone viral. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, we know Hebrews 11, 1, one. We know Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We know Romans one seventeen, Hebrews ten. We know about faith. We have heard so much about faith. The question is, we know so much about faith, and we know faith is simply one of the most important things in the kingdom of God. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to practically receive anything from God. Everything has to be mixed with faith. And we hear so much faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. We have heard so much word that faith should be coming out of our eyelids and nostrils and ear. I mean, it should be just wherever we go, faith should be popping out. But the reality is, there's hardly any faith. Okay. Because remember, in the kingdom of God, the most important thing in the kingdom of God is not money, it's not education, it is not anything that's available in this life. It is faith. Because it is written, all things are possible to him who believes. Okay, the only other place it is talked is about God. All things are possible with God and all things are possible with him or who believes. So the question is, where is the block? Where is the block? Let's turn again to the gospel according to Mark chapter 1 verse 15. 
Now Jesus is coming. Saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You go, the Bible is yes, Anusha. The Bible is very consistent. Okay? The Bible never says believe first. The Bible never says believe first. The Bible always says repent first. Repent goes kind of simultaneously. But you cannot believe without repenting. And the primary block with Christians is repentance. It's not with faith. Where there is no repentance, faith will not come. You can hear from morning till night all your life, faith will not come. It will not come. You cannot change God's order. You cannot expect to do the same thing over and over again, expect different results. You know it does not happen in your lab, but people try it in the kingdom of God. It will not work. It will not work. The Bible is very consistent about this. Very, very, if you look at it, it's absolutely consistent about it. Okay? So Jesus does not say, believe in the gospel. Because that's what you are hearing. Just believe. The Bible never says that, just believe. The Bible always says, repent first. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay? If you go to Hebrews 6, 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Okay? What is the first thing mentioned is that the foundation, the first foundation is repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. The first is repentance. You can't put it this way. Faith towards God and then repent. That's never the order in the Bible. The order in the Bible is always the same. Go to Acts 20 and verse 21. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot have one without the other. Repentance goes first. Okay? Remember that we, we looked at that last week at church. That incident that took place in Luke chapter 13 and verses 1 to 5. There were present at that season some who told him about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? When terrible things happen to people, will think, oh, they are worse sinners. That's why that happened to them. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He did not say, unless you believe, you will perish. That's not what he said. What he said is, unless you repent, you will perish. Because you cannot believe without repenting. One always comes before two. Jesus did not preach two. He preached to one first. He did not say, unless they believe. Unless you believe. He says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Of those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? Again, he says the same thing, verse 5. I tell you, you know, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Okay? So God says, you know what? Mankind has only two choices. The choice is either repent or perish. And perish, by the way, is not a simple word in the Bible. It's a very strong word in the Bible. Let's turn to John chapter 3 and verse 16. 15 and 16. Whoever believes in him should not 
perish. You know what perish is? Eternal destruction, eternal separation, eternally. That part of it is eternally destroyed. It cannot be, it cannot be restored. It's gone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. That's what the word means, perish. Okay. God says all the other works, religious works, are not a substitute to repentance. Nothing you do is a substitute to repentance. If you don't repent, he says, you will perish. Okay, you will perish. Like we have heard it over and over again in, in Greek, the new covenant, repentance means to change your mind, change the way you think, change your mind, change your thinking. In Hebrew, it actually means to turn, return. Return. That's where the Bible talks about return, return, return. Meaning you're going in one direction away from God. Turn around. Basically, repentance means it changes both the way you think and the way you act. That's what it means. It's very simple. Don't make it complicated. You change the way you think, change the way you act. Okay. You can't say, I will not change the way I think and change the way I act, but I believe in Jesus. God says you don't. You don't. You haven't believed. You have just accepted one more idea. You are like a pagan who picked one more God and put it along with the other gods. Okay. He says, you will realize it doesn't work. Okay. Now let me, sorry, batch on my glasses. You will see there may be emotions involved. Okay, strong emotions involved. The Bible talks about it. Strong emotions involved. Okay. And these strong emotions are usually involved when you are aware you have done a great sin. Okay, strong emotions are involved. And we know in Second Corinthians it talks about there is sorrow, grief and all. But most repentance does not involve any emotions at all. Make this clear. Because emotions can fool you. You can come and cry in a service thinking you have repented and go back without having changed your thinking or your action. So repentance does not have so much to do with emotions. Repentance is an act of will. Where God says, I set before you this and this, you choose. And when you're repenting, you're always letting go of something else and choosing something which God says. Okay, That's what repentance is. If you're going to associate always emotions with repentance, you will get it wrong. Because most of the things which God says, you don't need emotions for that. You know, this is right. No, it's right. The, like um, when we learned cycling, we changed our mind. Cycling is better than walking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's better than walking. We changed our mind. We had entire, entire this thing we changed. And then we got a bike. We found that's better. Okay. We got a four wheeler. It's better. You see, in the world, we, we don't realize we change our thinking and we change our ways. And there aren't much emotions involved in it. No. There's not much emotions involved in it. But those are all temporal. We are talking about something that is eternal. 
Okay. Like first time it can be intense. Like in the book of Acts, they were cut to the heart. Because they, them, they were suddenly convicted that they were responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. They too had the blood on them. So they were cut to the heart. Me, we killed our savior. <laughs> no, we killed our savior. So there can be. And the first time when you, when you are convicted of the Holy Spirit of your sin, there can be, there can be intense emotions. Or later when you have fallen, like David has fallen, there's intense emotion and grief that you have heard this person. So grief is there, sorrow is there. But the problem is that if you're always going to associate emotions with repentance, you will become a slave of your emotions and not somebody who really repents. So we have to be careful, very, very careful. Okay, let's go to Isaiah 55 verse 6. We had looked at on Sunday. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What does it mean? When is he found? When you have the opportunity to hear the word of God. The Bible says very clearly, the word that can save you is very near. A time will come, all of us, a time will come, unless you deliberately choose. A time will come. You'll all have your freedom. Everybody, no parents are going to watch you all your life. A day will come when you have your freedom. Like I remember the day I had my freedom on my own. Then for my first job, 20, 22 years old, travel all the way. No supervision. You are absolutely on your own. You can now choose what you do. You can be near to the word or as far away as possible. So God says, do you know the times when you hear the word? Seek him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. Because a day and hour will come. He may not be close anymore. Close anymore. He may not be near anymore. Okay. So we need to realize we are making choices. We are making choices. The Bible talks about him. You know? And the thing is that the word of God will contradict the way we think. And the way we act. So when the Lord is near, we know when the Lord is near is when the word is near. And immediately word seven comes in. What is our response? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. The first thing is that your way of thinking is wrong. And therefore your action is wrong. Your action is wrong because your thinking is wrong. Your thinking is wrong and it's showing in your action. Forsake that. And he will have mercy on him. Where there is no repentance, please understand this. There is never mercy. There is no mercy where there is no repentance. Okay, there is no repentance. I'll show you from scripture. The scripture is absolutely consistent about this. It is not grace first. It is mercy first. It is only after we have received mercy for our sins, the grace of God saves us and makes us a new creation. But the old man has to be forgiven first. That is the job of repentance and mercy. The old man. And grace is the supernatural work of God that the forgiven man is now recreated in Christ's image. But where there is no repentance, remember, there is no rebirth. Because there is no mercy. That's why in Hebrews 4.16, we don't have to go there. The first thing is, come boldly. We come to the gateway of mercy. 
Okay, And we need to realize believers are hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. They have no faith towards God because that is two. Because one is not taking place. Repentance is not taking place. The Bible says, let him let go of his thoughts. And let him change his ways. Change his way. And what will happen? He will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. If I'm willing to change the way I think and receive God's thought. This is how I think. This is what God says. This is how I am going. This is how God says I should go. God says, I will forgive you. I will forgive you. I will forgive you. Okay? So that's how it goes. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy. Look at what Jesus says just before ascension in so many ways, his last words. Luke chapter 24. He opened their understanding they might comprehend the scriptures. So they are understanding scriptures now. He's opening their eyes. He said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. See, that's how it should be preached. But there is no repentance. There is no remission. No remission of sins. You are still guilty. You are still guilty. There is no remission of sins where there is no repentance. Okay. See, we cannot change our past. But what we can, we can acknowledge and say, Lord, I was wrong and I accept it. I was wrong. You are right. This is the way I am going. Lord, I will not go that way. I will go your way. God says, forgiven. Then faith towards God to receive the grace to walk in the new way. But you cannot have two without one. It's absolutely consistent. Repentance and remission of sins. On the day of Pentecost when Peter preached, we know that, right? They were cut to the heart. What should we do? Look at the response. Acts chapter 2. Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Okay, First is repentance. Then only you get remission of sins. There is no repentance. There is no remission of sins. Okay, The message never changes. Never changes. The message is always the same. Acts 7, Paul goes to Athens, all intellectuals over there. Look at what he says. In Acts 17 and verse 30. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Now we would change the message and say God commands all men everywhere to believe. God says no. I don't ask you to believe first in my son. First I ask you to repent. Because if you don't repent, why do I have to believe in in his son? (laughs) Why do I have to believe in his son? You can't have both. Like I said, people are trying to travel two roads at the same time. Going two boats at the same time. And you will realize you're going nowhere because you're not willing to let go of this before you can receive this. God says, you need to let go. You need to let go. And Acts chapter 26 and verse 20. But declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Now remember, the works befitting repentance are not the works of faith. They may look similar, but they are not the same. They are not the same. You have to prove your repentance. 
The simplest example we have in the Bible is a man called Zacchaeus. Okay? Zacchaeus, Jesus came to his house. Zacchaeus stood up and said, from all who have stolen, I'll give four times over. Half my wealth I will sell and give it to the poor. Jesus said, salvation has come into this house. You know why? Because he knows this man has changed his thoughts, changed his ways, proving it by his works, and he's put his faith in Jesus. God said, salvation has come. Salvation has come. Where it doesn't, why I'm telling you is that, you know what, like if you, if you, if you meet people, you will realize most people are coming to Jesus, even now, like in his days, because of trouble. They are not coming with repentance. They won't change their ways. They look at Jesus as a quick fix. I got trouble. Will you take care of my trouble? I mean, you are among many gods. Basically, I want to have my way. I am in trouble. Will you help me through this? And Jesus does help. You are ill. He heals. He never asked them, did you go to church? Did you? He didn't ask. He healed them. He delivered them, all that. <coughs> but he also told them, you can be healed, you can be delivered and perish if you don't repent. You can receive every temporal blessing in this life and go to hell. If you don't want to go to hell, you need to repent and believe. Okay, repent and believe. The works of repentance. Luke chapter 3, and we will see. Okay, now this is John the Baptist. He is ministry. Then he said to the multitudes that came to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who want you to flee from the wrath to come? Why did he shout like that? Why was he tough with them? Because he says, you know what? I know any new thing that comes, you want to be part of it. But this is nothing new. This is something which is very serious. You are coming for the remission of your sins. And you have been really repented. You won't receive mercy. Okay, let's look at verse 8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to ourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Okay, Don't go back to your Khandan's history. He says, okay, therefore, now, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, meaning of destruction. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So they ask him questions, verse 10. So the people asked him, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he who has Two tunics, let him give to him who has none. He who has food, let him do likewise. Now you will see, James will say the same similar thing connected with faith. Now that is not connected with repentance. This is connected with repentance. This is, okay. Basically he is saying, breaking the spirit of covetousness in your heart. You have to repent from covetousness. The other is showing charity to a brother. This is breaking the spirit of covetousness. These are two different. This is a work of repentance. That is a work of faith. It's a work of faith, okay? He who has food, let him do likewise. Next. The tax collectors also came to him to be baptized. This is a baptism of repentance. He's speaking, repent. He said to them, what shall we do? We are tax collectors. What shall we do? He said, collect taxes. That's fine. But no more than what is appointed to you. How much is appointed to you? Okay, 50 dirhams or whatever, drachmas. 50, not 51. 
stick to it. Okay, stick to it. So you will realize that, you know what, to receive Jesus, John comes first. And John is very, very clear. You are willing to change your thoughts and you're willing to change your ways. Willing to change your thoughts and willing to change. Even soldiers come. Let us say today, policemen come. Okay. <clears throat> Likewise, soldiers asked him, saying, what shall we do? He said, do not intimidate anyone. Or accuse falsely. Be content with your wages. Okay. You cannot be a saved cop and be corrupt. He says, you are not saved. As simple as that, you are not saved. You are not saved. You are not saved. Okay. The simple thing. Okay. You cannot be a saved student and continue cheating. You are not saved. You are not, and you are not being saved because you are not willing to change. You are not willing to repent. You are not willing to repent. You know? Salvation is not an insurance policy. It's a new creation. You know? That's what happened to the rich man. The rich man was shocked when he died. Okay? When he died. Because you know what? He had never repented in his life. <clears throat> so you cannot bypass repentance to enter into faith. Now once we have repented and we get saved, it continues. And wherever we stop and refuse to change, let me tell you, that area of your life will perish. It will perish. Whether it is your marriage, whether it is your family, whether it is your work, whether it is your relationship, that part of your life will eternally perish. Because when your works go through the fire, that part will be burnt away. And you will lose on other side. Why? Because you heard the word of God and you refuse to change. Refuse to change. When you refuse to change, what happens is you put your thought above God's. Above God's. Okay. Let's go through scripture. Matthew 4 and... My wife isn't here, otherwise she would have brought all the things to clean my glasses. Her bag is a bag of... No, 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 I don't want that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Now I can see. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't trust you guys. I don't know what all you wipe with this stuff over here. <laughs> see? Okay. From that time, okay, let's go through scripture. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You cannot believe or experience the kingdom of heaven unless we are willing to repent. That's how he begins his ministry. Matthew 11 and verse 20. He began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Because they didn't repent. Because they didn't repent. Matthew 21, 32. For Jesus came to you in the way of righteousness. You did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. When you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe. We can, it's a KJV would say afterward repent and go to KJV. Can I have it in KJV? Okay. Yeah, same thing, same verse, 21, 32. Okay. John came unto you in the way of righteousness. You believed him not. 
But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and you, when you had seen it, repented not afterward that you may believe in him. You see, one set of people, whom the hopeless set of people, they repented of their lifestyle and they believed. The others who thought they were righteous, they refused to repent, therefore they could not believe. So if you don't repent, you will not be able to believe. Okay, We think faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. But one of the first things the word of God does is it causes repentance. And if we don't repent, we will not be able to believe. Not be able to. See, two comes after one. Mark chapter 1, 4. We saw that, right? Yeah. Jesus came baptizing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. We saw in Luke 24, 47, it is the same thing, right? Repentance and remission. Meaning where there is no repentance, there is no remission of sins. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, where there is no repentance, you can't believe in the gospel. You have intellectually agreed to the gospel, but that is not believing. That's not believing. Believing in the Bible changes your life. You can agree to an idea. Okay. Do I believe in driving? Of course I do. Do I drive? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't drive. I will never drive in India. Okay. Do I believe it? Of course I do believe in it. But that doesn't change my life. Every time I want to go somewhere, I need to call the driver. I need to call the driver. It, it hasn't changed my life. Okay. It hasn't changed my life. Okay. So we need to realize in the Bible when the word belief is used, when it is real, Automatically change comes. But for change to come, there is something that precedes it. What precedes it? It is repentance. And let's go to Luke chapter 15 and verse 7. Now we're talking about the three parables. Okay, I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who believes. No, one who repents. Than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Okay, it's repentance that Jesus is talking about. Go to the next parable. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. And 16.30. Remember that man in hell? No father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will believe. No. Even theology is correct in heaven, in hell. <laughs> Absolutely correct doctrine in hell. What is the doctrine in hell? Repent. Repent. Why did you reach there? Because you did not believe in the God of Israel? Of course I believed in the God of Israel. I went to the synagogue regularly. I did all the sacrifice. I never missed a single festival of Israel. And why did you end up in hell? Because I didn't repent. Not because I didn't believe. I believed without repenting. And it was of no avail. It was of no use. Okay, because he did not. So even in hell, the doctrine doesn't change. In heaven, doctrine doesn't change. Earth, we cannot change doctrine. In hell, doctrine doesn't change. Repent, change the way you think and the way you act. Acts chapter 2, 38, we saw that. Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized. Meaning, if you did not repent before baptism, I like it the way it, I think direct print says it. Uh, you are just a dry sinner become a wet sinner. That's the only difference. <laughs> okay. He's a dry sinner. 
become a wet sinner. That's the only difference. He says, no difference in your baptism has made no difference to you if you haven't repented. If you haven't repented. Okay, repenting means we're not saying in one day all your thinking changes, but there is a beginning where you surrender to the word of God and say, Lord, I just keep on saying, that's where it begins. I accept the authority of your word and I surrender to your word. Now you keep speaking to me, I will keep changing, give me the grace and God will speak. But the day you stop, it stops. The word of God is of no more effect in your life. You gather knowledge, but you're not able to change. Because you have blocked yourself because you refuse to change. Refuse to change. Okay, And like I said, no, it's like an elevator or a lift of a 120-story building. You have pushed the button and got off at a particular floor. You're not going upward anymore. Why are you not going upward? Because you refuse to change. Refuse to change. Okay, And that's that's a major issue. Chapter 3 and verse 19. Repent therefore and be converted. Meaning, without repentance, you cannot be converted. You cannot be converted. You just accepted one more idea. That's all. But the kingdom of God will not coexist with any other idea. It will not. It stands alone. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. It is the nature of truth. It always stands alone. If you don't repent, you cannot be converted. If you don't repent, your sins will not be blotted out. If you don't repent, refreshing times won't come. Everything is connected to that one thing called repentance. Will you repent? Acts chapter 11 and verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles belief to life. No, repentance to life. That was the sign. It was not belief. The sign was repentance. They have given them repentance. The Gentiles left their old lifestyle. And now the life of Christ has come. Repentance from dead works to faith in Christ. They have given, been granted repentance. Acts 20, 21. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. It didn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Greek. Repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 26, 20. But declare first to those in Damascus, in Jerusalem, throughout all the region of Judea, then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. So you will see, not a single place does the order change. Never changes in the Bible. Turn to Second Corinthians, the portion where the church in Corinth was very heartbroken when he, they got the first letter, 7, 8, and 9. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I did not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry. Can I have KJV? I thought I wrote KJV in that paper, right? Did I? No. Okay, because KJV will bring it out. Yeah? Though I made you sorry with the letter, I do not repent. I don't change my mind. Though I did repent, I felt sorry that you felt sorry. For I pursue the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but you sorrowed to repentance. Now I am happy, you know. It was just not sorry. Your sorrow has gone to repentance. You have changed your way of thinking and the way of action. 
for you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. Okay. Did you see that? And verse 10 also I gave, right? Verse 10 says, For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. Look at it very clearly. If your sorrow does not change to repentance, it does not bring salvation. It brings damnation. It brings damnation. It brings destruction. You can have sorrow. Now you are sorry because you are caught. You are not sorry because of what you did. No, It's like children walking around with a grumpy face as if the parent offended them. You are the one who did this. You are the one who has got red-handed. You are the one who is being punished. Now I have become the guilty party. So that is not godly sorrow. That is worldly sorrow. The Bible says worldly sorrow leads to death and to destruction. If there is a sorrow that doesn't lead to repentance, the sorrow has no meaning. The, the, the virtue is not in the sorrow. The virtue is in the repentance. Repentance can be without, without sorrow. It does not matter. The Bible doesn't say you have to have sorrow with your repentance always. No. I saw it. I accept it. I'm changing my ways. That's it. I don't need to be told a second time. It's your word. That's it. It's it. Because most of the time, we don't need to be grieving. Because, like at the end I will tell you, it's because we did not know. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. Ignorance. And ignorance is a killer. So when knowledge comes, what happens? Ignorance is put away. We repent. We change. So we don't have to be grieving all the time. The problem is if you're always looking at your emotions, oh, I don't feel anything. That does mean have I really repented. No, you just change your way and change your thinking. But the sorrow of the world, what does it bring? It brings death. It brings destruction. Because you know what? You're only grieving because you were caught. And if you were not caught, you would have continued that way. And you would go into destruction. Second Timothy chapter 2.25. Remember about those who have gone away from the truth. In humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God may perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Okay, now you need to realize if you do not have repentance, you will never know the truth. That's the other side of it. Without repentance, you cannot go forward in the, you can have truth being blasted before you 24-7. It will not get in because you refuse to repent. Like I said, uh, the knowledge of God is coming out of our nostrils now. But that's not the question. The question is our lives changing, our relationship with God and our relationship with man. Is it changing? If it is not changing, the only block, primarily the first and the main block is the block of repentance. We refuse to change our thinking and we refuse to change our ways. The changing of mind, the changing of action. And then faith comes. And through faith we receive the, it kind of, it's, if repentance comes genuine, faith comes immediately. It's almost immediate. You don't have to wait seven days for faith. God is just waiting for repentance, which we have the freedom to do. We have the choice. We have the will to do. Turn to Matthew chapter 21 in KJV. I think I gave it there KJV. Okay. 
What think he? A certain man had two sons. Pastor Vijay used his parable, I think, a few days back. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. You see that? He came to the second and said, likewise. He answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain, of the two, did the will of his father. They said unto him, the first. And Jesus said to them, Verily I say to you, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Verse 32, For John came unto you in the way of righteousness. You believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and you, when you had seen it, repented not afterward that you might believe him. He's a simple fellow. He said, there's a man who came to his son and said, Go do this. He said, no, I will not go. And then later he repented. And he went and did it. The second one said, I will do it. But he never did it. Now, we would get fooled by the second one. The churches are full of the second son. But God is not fooled. Okay, God is not fooled. Okay, and he's telling it the, the the so-called righteous in the Jewish community. He said, "Listen, you saw these people, the tax collectors, the harlots, and all. They refused to listen to anything. They went on their lifestyle. But when they heard John preach, they all repented, changed their lifestyle, and they they have changed. You looked at that, and you still did not change. You still did not change. You repented not afterward. He said, you had the word, and you had a witness." Or how the word works in somebody. You did not believe both. Okay? Meaning without repentance, you cannot really believe. You cannot believe. It is accumulating. Like, you know, let me ask you, how many piles of books can you keep on a slab of ice? It will just slip off. Where there is no repentance, it doesn't matter how tall the knowledge of God is. It will just go off. It won't work. It won't work. It simply won't work. Most of our issues in our life, whether in a home or in our workplace or wherever it is, it's got to do with this first block. We refuse to change our thinking and change our ways. Refuse. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. Okay, Remember the prodigal son, the favorite hero of the world. Everybody wants to be like him. Have a blast. Now look at it. We know where he went. Ultimately, he ended in the pig pen. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish. Repent or? Now he's come to that point. I have a choice. Either I perish or I repent. Just come to that point. That is the opening. If I go from here, it's only I have I have no more choices left. Either I repent, or I will perish. And what did he say? The Bible says, okay, he came. He came to his senses. Okay, he changed his thoughts, and is willing to change his ways. I will arise, go to my father. Will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I was wrong in my thoughts. In my actions. No longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And verse 20 says he arose. And came to his father. First there is a change of thinking. 
Second, there is an action that goes. But he comes to that point where he realizes, if I don't, I will perish. And Christians need to come to that point. If I don't change, I will perish. Because scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. We have to come to that moment of truth. I'm not saying you will lose your salvation if you are saved. But those areas where you refuse to change, you will lose eternally. Eternally in your grading. When you are graded for your rewards, because you refuse to change in those areas, you will lose. Those areas, when they go through the fire, boom, it will be burnt. It will be burned off. Those areas have perished. It can never be restored back in eternity because they have perished. It's gone. It's simply gone. The father's response, we know. Father is always the same. He hasn't, but he's waiting for the son to change his mind, change his action. And once somebody's mind has changed and action has changed, the father doesn't even want to hear the rest of the story. Now, faith towards God and God's response to that man of faith. And he covers it. Everything changes immediately. Okay. When we hear the word of God, okay, how do we hear them? You know why Paul was so, so happy with the church in Thessalonica? Why was he so happy? If we look at all his letters, one of the churches he was so happy was the church in Thessalonica. Of course, he never wrote a letter to the church in Berea. But Thessalonica, he was very, very happy. Look at that. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. What is the reason that you thank God without ceasing? Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. He says, you know what? When it comes to churches, I constantly thank God for you. Why? When we preach, repentance is immediate. Immediate. You receive the word as the word of God. You, we are preaching. But you receive it as it is, truth, the word of God, and repentance is immediate. And you are faith towards God. That's what he's talking. And it works. We can see. Because what you can actually see, you can see repentance. Can see repentance. Can see repentance. Can see repentance. Okay. Can see repentance. It's very easy. When a person's life has changed, you can see it. And God sees it. Okay. And when you're constantly repenting, God sees it. The person is changing, person is changing, person is changing. Look, the other person may not be changing. That is irrelevant. The question is, it's your life with God. That is what it means, Enoch walked with God. What does it mean, Enoch walked with God? It was a life of constant repentance. God's word is coming to him. I change. God's word is coming to him. I change my thinking. I change my way. I change my thinking. I change my way. And it's got to, not to do with grief and sorrow and emotions. It's just an act of will. Okay. I mean, in life, honestly, in life, when you go to uh, school and college, in every process you learn, you are actually repenting. And faith towards your process. <coughs> what emotion is there? You know? Okay. I mean, you see that happening in the world, but the thing is that we don't realize you can change as much as you want in the ways of the world, but ultimately we will perish. 
But when it comes to the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, that's where he came. So it always leaves us with two choices. What are the two choices? Repent or perish. Okay. Revelation chapter 2, 5. The first church. Okay. It's a very good church. Okay. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else. Repent or else. Only two choices. Repent or else. I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The five foolish virgins at least had the lamp. He's telling you will end up worse than them. If you don't repent, if you don't repent, okay, now if you read that entire portion to this church, everything is commendation. One thing is not. Now in that one thing God is asking to repent, and God says, because that one thing is so important, if you don't repent in that, it will cause you eternal destruction. And we will look at one, two, three, four, five, everything is good. God says, leave that alone. That's good. This will only matter if you change in this. If you don't change in this, in eternity, all this will go. It will go. That's what he's telling them. He says, you know what? You're good in all that. But ultimately in eternity, it will mean nothing if you come, don't come back to your first love. And if you don't love me. Because you know what? That is a sign, proof of repenting and faith towards God. That is a proof. If you have faith towards God, the love of God will flow into you so that you are able to love me with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. But you are like that monkey. You know how they used to catch monkeys in the jungle? They get this heavy pot, metal pot with a small mouth and then put a banana in it and leave it over there. The monkey comes and puts his hand and gets the banana. But the problem is it can't take the banana out. To take the banana out, it has to let go of the banana. But if you let go of the banana, it can be free. But it wants a banana. So what does the poor fellow try to do? Holding the banana, it tries to run. But the pot is very heavy. So the trapper comes, he puts the net, catches the monkey and takes him. And God says, that's the problem. You cannot have faith towards God because you will not let go of this. Now let's say simply about these things. Repent. Okay, let's say. The Bible is very clear. I mean, we have heard it a million times. Love not the world or the things of this world. If you love the world or the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in you. So what is God saying? Repent of this and then you will have faith towards me and my love will come. But we will not repent of this and therefore we do not have the love of God and we will realize we will be like the Ephesus church. We will be judged. Why are we not able to love God? Because we have something else. We are not willing to let go like the monkey of this. And the trapper is coming. He's called the trapper. The Bible calls him, the book of Proverbs calls him the snarer. The snarer is over there. What did he give you? He gave you a banana. But you don't realize he's making a monkey out of you. <laughs> Here is God offering eternity. He's offering all the rewards of eternity and he's just making a monkey out of you. But you won't let go of this. But if you don't let go of you, you will. Now say, so what are you trying to do? You're trying to be too smart. You're trying to, I will balance. I love the world and I will love the Lord. God says, it never happens. It simply will not happen. I'm telling you, it will not. You may fool people, but God says, you don't fool me. You don't fool me. 
you don't fool me. So you see, there's only one thing. And the issue is with repentance. Let's go to 2.16. Repent. It's another church. Or else I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. If you don't repent, you have only two choices. If God fights you, what is your choice? Finish. Repent or perish. These are things told to the churches. To the churches. See, our major issue is the first foundational block. Okay, 221. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. God is not talking about believing here. God is talking about repenting here. I gave her time. Okay, I gave, I gave the person time to repent. The problem is, Forgiveness is here, remission of sins is here, a new life is here, grace of God is there, everything is here, but you won't repent. And God says, if you don't repent, you will be destroyed, you will perish. Okay, verse 22. Yeah. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into a great tribulation, unless they repent. See? You see, everything is connected with the first building block. The first building block is that we need to change our ways and our thinking. Align it with God's. Okay? And uh, you don't need a fresh, fresh infusion of the Holy Spirit for any of these things. Because people in the world are repenting without believing. Without believing. Believing. You know? I'm not mentioning names. But somebody wrote to me yesterday, like say, sir, he's not a believer, sir, uh, pray for me. My feet are all swollen. I'm in great pain because I have given up drinking for two weeks. Now, I guess he was an alcoholic. He always drank, but he decided to quit drinking. And now detoxifying, the effects are showing. I said, hang in over there. We are praying for you. What I'm saying is that even people in the world can repent without faith towards God. See, repentance without faith towards God does not save you. The first two blocks. First you need to repent. And then you need to have faith towards God. The people in the world can repent. I've seen alcoholics giving. I've seen smokers stop. I've seen people who are lying stop lying. People who are cheating stop cheating. All that things. But they don't believe in God. They're very righteous atheists in this world. And one of the finest, righteous chief ministers India ever had was from the little state called uh, the Tripura, called Manik Sarkar. He was a simple man who just drew his salary, lived a simple life, I think went in with a suitcase, came out of the suitcase. And he was CM for years and years. They're right, but they have no faith in God. So repentance alone does not save you. So even people in the world can repent. And how much more the people in the church to whom the word of God is king and says, they hear religion, they hear righteousness, they hear and they repent. But they have no faith in God. They are putting their trust in their own righteousness. So that will not save you. Repentance from your dead works, faith towards God, and you receive the righteousness of God as a gift and you're born again. Two has to take place. But before two can take place, one has to take place. And that's our issue. And all the issues is with repentance. Okay? And words. Chapter 3, verse 3. Remember therefore how we have received and heard, hold fast and repent. 
Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. He's saying, you know what, what you have, hold on it. Here, keep receiving, keep hearing, keep receiving, keep changing. Keep keep repenting, keep changing. Revelation 3.19 For as, even to the last church, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous. For what? In your repentance. Be zealous in your repentance. Be willing to change. Change your mind, change your thinking. Now, look at the tribulation period. Okay, when the tribulation begins. Very soon it will begin. I don't think there's much time left. Revelation 9, verse 20 to 21. But the rest of the mankind who were not killed by these plagues, the horror of the judgment comes and one third, two thirds will die. The remaining did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk, but they did not repent of their murders or sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Judgment after judgment is pouring, but they are not able to change their mind or their actions. No repentance. Okay. They know who is the real God. They all know who is the real God. They know God is God. All their gods can't do anything. But you know what? They can't believe in that God for salvation because they are not able to repent. You're not able to repent. First block is gone. So two, three won't happen. There's no faith in God because they are not able to repent. Look at 16 and verse 9. Men were scorched with great heat, uh, heat and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. They did not repent. They did not repent and gave him glory. They're not able to repent. 16:11. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their swords and did not repent of their deeds. It's not even talking about believing. It's not talking about believing. That lost the ability to change. That's why the Bible says, seek him when he may be found. Be found. So John goes before Jesus. The message of repentance goes before the message of salvation. Believe. Believe. Okay? That's always before Jesus comes a second time. I believe there is, yes, Nazarene? No, Nazarene. Arundhati. Yes, Arundhati. Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6. Five and six. This is the, okay. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, who was the one who came before Jesus came. Elijah the prophet. The same spirit that was on Elijah was the one on John. Before the final day, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a... Do you know the Old Testament ends with the word curse? Imagine there's no New Testament. How does the Bible end? Curse. Last word. In the Old Testament is curse. When does the curse come? If people don't change their hearts. And it begins with the fathers. He says, restoration will only happen when the man of the house changes. It doesn't begin with the wife. It doesn't begin with the children. It begins with the man. I will restore headship in the homes. 
And if that does not happen, he says, what will follow is tribulation. Curse. Okay. The last, final, before it happens, because what do we hear about all the homes in the world? Headship is gone. Illegitimate children, delinquent children, fatherless homes, all these things. He says, you know what? Before that happens, I will give you one more chance. One more chance. I will restore. I will restore headship in the homes. I will restore headship in the homes. So, why do I have to repent? The questions people will ask may come today evening. Why do I have to repent? John 10 and verse 35. He called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. One, the word of God as opposed to the word of man. Word of God as opposed to the word of man. One, it is the word of God. Two, it has been given to us in written form. So here it is. And scripture cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. If you break scripture, scripture will break you ultimately. That is the heart with which you read scripture. We are not looking for knowledge. We are looking for change. How do you change? You read the scripture, it is written. Okay, I was thinking this way, this is what is written. Thank you, Lord. I changed my thinking. I changed my thinking. It's as simple as that. Very simple. I mean, that's how you learn math. Two plus two is four. No, no, from two to four, sometimes it is five. No, it's not five. It's always four. Take this as math. Scripture cannot be broken. Not a dot, not a tittle. Nothing will change. It is written, so it is. It is. Okay? So it is written. Scripture cannot be broken. It will not be broken. You break it, I break it at our own peril. Okay? Peril. He called them gods to whom the word of God came. Why did he call them gods? Small g. Why did he call man gods? Because man is the only one who has the freedom to make choices. Animals don't read scripture and make choices. They cannot change. A dog is always a dog. It never changes. But we are called gods because we are made in the image of God. Small g. So we have that freedom to choose. And God gives us the scripture, his word, and he says, now change. Now change. But to change, first I need to repent. I need to let go of something. This is what I thought always. I always thought, you know what, I let go of it. And I receive it. As simple as that. I let go of this old way of thinking and I receive this new. I let go of the old way of walking and I will walk in the new way. And then you have, immediately you have faith towards God. Because God says, okay, I see you believe. And the grace of God comes and you have power to do it. Consistently. Luke 13 and words, why do I have to repent? Luke 13, words 5. Because the other option is perish. Only two options. Repent or perish. Or be destroyed. Repent or perish. Second question. How long, (coughs) how long do I have to keep repenting? Isaiah 55, words 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Until you bridge this gap, keep on repenting. How long? Eternity. Ages to come. So it's not a bad word. We made repentance into a bad word. It's not a bad word. Because we are all repenting in the world. You know? 
repenting in the world and all no uh, i mean you look look at i mean the generational shift that has taken place no i i remember the first time i flew in an aircraft it was a big thing right no now it is like going to the market <laughs> it is a big thing you know it's not a big thing at all how our thinking changes you know we take it for granted nobody even thinks twice about booking a flight to go somewhere those days it was say air india namaste lady comes and that's a big thing no? you had to see their post air hostess and all no how we changed our thinking and uh, somebody um, wrote about how quickly people adapt to these changes in this world they were saying they were fl- long ago flying from in a rural country side in one of these planes in china or something and they saw the villagers all get into the planes planes with their chicken and their goats and all they quickly adapted to this faster mode of transport like how quickly think about it how quickly we adapt to change in the world and how resistant we are to change in the world how quickly how quickly we change how quickly but on the other hand the bible says it should be the other way quick to change in the world very slow to change in the world very slow i don't need to change that's why yesterday peter was wearing my shirt i said peter do you know how old it is that i got it in 2004 it's 17 years old still new right practically new right 17 years old I mean you can wear a shirt that is 20 years old um, and uh, you think you have to change according to the fashion no we don't have to why do you have to change with the world who told you who told you hallelujah so outward man is anyway perishing the question is is the inward man changing if the inward man is not changing you are perishing let the outward man perish it is okay you cannot stop that the danger is if you are not repenting the inward man also is perishing that is a dangerous thing inward man is perishing so how long do i have to repent till the gap is bridged till we all eternity the question is then what is the attitude i should have to keep repenting what is attitude is important in the bible everywhere I says 66 verse 1 to 2 Thus says the Lord heaven is my throne earth is my footstool where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest verse 2 Yeah For all those things my hand has made all those things exercises the Lord all this is don't worry about all this he says I just created all this but look but on this one i will look whom does god look at on him who is poor of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word that's the key what's the attitude when you hear the word of god there's a trembling inside for every word of god not which you i like and which i dislike every word of god the reaction is the same you said it as good enough for me you said it it's good enough for I'll keep it because it is written. It is. I tremble. He who God says, 
those I, them I look at. I look at them who tremble at my word. Okay. Otherwise we will not grow in faith. We'll grow in faith. If you go to Hebrews 6 1, and why is this so important? Hebrews 6 1 and then 2 Peter 1 5, 6 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to you cannot go on to perfection unless you have the building block of repentance very strong. If you don't have repentance, you will never go on to perfection. You cannot go on to perfection. You cannot go. One and two of the six things mentioned over there, one and two is the most important, not the others. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, not doctrine of baptisms. Not laying of hands. You can have your doctrinal differences and all that and still keep on moving on. But one and two is important. Without one and two, you will never move forward with God. Move forward with God. You will be blocked. You cannot walk without, with God. Dependence from dead works. But we have to go to perfection. Why? That is the demand. Jesus said, be perfect as your father is in heaven is perfect. Grow to maturity or to be become blameless at the coming of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes, the Bible talks about the be blameless when he comes, both in body, soul and spirit. How can I be blameless unless I repent? It is impossible to be blameless unless you repent. And we will be caught in napping. Repentance is the key. Look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith is too. You cannot add to your faith unless you have repentance first. See, Second Peter chapter 5 is talking about how to go on to maturity. How you add these things, faith and virtue and knowledge and brotherly kindness and self-control and love. All these things are being added. Keep on adding, 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 adding until you come to a point where you don't even stumble and you receive a, you make an election and calling sure and you receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is talking about how you prepare. But the thing is that to add to faith, you need to have the first stone of repentance. Repentance from dead works. Then add to your faith. So everything is caught over there. Everything is caught over there. Okay. So as I close, two things as I close. One, remember, ignorance is a killer. Knowledge but refusing to repent is another killer. We will read from Matthew 11, verse 20 to 24 and close. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. What is he talking about? He says, the difference between you and Tyre and Sidon is they are ignorant. You are knowledgeable. They did not have the word. Nobody went preached there. Nobody did any works there. So they are ignorant. And they perished. You are knowledgeable. You will also perish. Why did they perish? Because they did not have the knowledge to repent. Why will you perish? Because you have the knowledge, but you refuse to repent. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. 
And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. He says, you know what? If somebody had, if Lot had actually preached in Sodom, Sodom would have repented. They were ignorant. They did not know. But because they were ignorant and did not change their thinking and their ways, they perished. Judgment is set on another day. On earth, they perished. And he says, you too. Now, you have the knowledge of the word of God. You have heard it day in and day out. You have the synagogues. You have the festivals. You have the law, everything. You know what? You will also perish. But on that day, it will be a lighter sentence for them and a harsher sentence for you. Why? Because the word of God, you did not change. Let me tell you, the primary issue with Christians is not faith. It's repentance. Primary issue with Christians is repentance. They hear the word of God and they're very selective in their repentance. Very selective. They are not like David. Why did God love David? God loved David is because when it came to repentance, he was absolutely total. It didn't matter which area it was. We are repentant only in the areas which doesn't bother us. But the areas that bother us, we build a block. We are building a block towards God. Oh God. Like if you talk in terms of families, everybody gets a block. Wife, submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. The question is, is that the word of God? Yes. Will you submit? No. Your marriage will perish. Husbands, love your wives as Christ Jesus loved the church and gave himself. Is the word of God? Yes. Will you repent? No. Your marriage will perish on that day, even if you stay together. On that day, it will be boom, gone. Children, obey your parents. Is the word of God? Yes. Do you believe? No. Okay. You will perish. It's as simple as that. You don't need great theology to get these things. It's as simple as that. Workers, this is the way you should be. You're a Christian. This is the worker. Is this the way you work? No. Change. Otherwise, you will perish. That area, you will perish. Why? Because scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. No. That's why we have to be very, that's what the Bible says, the word of God, when it comes, he who trembles at my word. We laugh away. I've seen in church people laughing. People laugh. Oh, no, no. People laugh. And you don't realize. You can laugh at a preacher, but you cannot laugh at the word of God. Because the word of God always has the last laugh. It always has the last laugh. So it does not matter who the preacher is. Always look. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says, you know what? When we came and preached the word of God, you know, I thank God ceasingly because you know what? That's what a preacher always looks for. Oh, I can get a congregation who I preach receives the word of God and change. No greater thrill than this. No greater thrill than that. No? But when we resist the word, we resist God. We resist God. St. Paul was saying, when I came to there, I always give thank God. I believe in his travels. You'll all be, ah, Thessalonian church. That is a church. Because when we went and preached the word of God, which in truth is the word of God, they did not receive it as the word of man. They received as the word of God. Okay. So salvation means a total change. Total change. And the word of God is the instrument by which, you know, when the word of God comes, 
it needs to have two effects on us. One, we repent. For the word of God is like a double-edged sword. It shows this area, your thinking is wrong, your action is wrong. It shows you this is what is the right thinking, this is what is the right. The word of God gives you this option. This is wrong, this is wrong. Your ways, your thoughts. Now let me tell you, God says, this is my thought, my ways. Now you have a choice. Repent or perish. When you repent, you say, I align my thought with your thought, O Lord, and I change my ways. That's why Moses prays at the age of 80 plus, Lord, show me your ways. That I might know you. What is he saying? He's repenting. He's repenting. Put away all the wisdom of Egypt, all the techniques. He put it all over. And he said, show me your ways. Teach me your ways. And once we are willing to change our ways and our thoughts, you know, and it's ne- never got to do simple thing when you, when you counsel people, one of the things you have to tell people is that it is never got to do with the other person. Submit your husband. Why? Because it is written. Not because your husband is a cherubim. No. It doesn't matter. That is not the reason. Love your wives. Why? Because it is written. Obey your parents. Why? It is written. It is written. Okay. It is, that scripture cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. Right? What is written about Jesus? It's the same thing. According to scriptures. According to scriptures. According to scriptures. It's as simple as that. So when we read scripture, read it as scripture. This is God speaking to me. Do you know what happens? You will learn scripture better and better. Because God will start speaking to you. Start speaking to you. Because why? You are repenting and you have faith. Changing from one thing, changing to the others. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and proving your repentance by works. When that has happened, God is able to speak to you. Now you have the works of faith. Works of faith. Now you have the works of faith. Otherwise, the works of faith will not come because works of repentance hasn't come. You all go in a line. And then you move from one to another, to another, to another. And you know what? The outside doesn't bother you so much. Because the outward man is anyway perishing. But inward man is not perishing. It is not perished. It's being renewed from glory to glory to glory. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, help us to keep coming back, Lord, because if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Nothing. The house will be shaky. The life will be shaky. The ministry will be shaky. Everything will shake. Because you are shaking everything. Because you are giving us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But that kingdom is built on that cornerstone. It is built on the doctrine of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Help us to realize, Lord, that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth. That's the gap, Lord. So help us, Lord, to humble ourselves before your word, the written and the spoken word. To tremble at your word. And to change. And you will give us the grace to change. 
But first, Lord, our heart should be willing. For you said, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. One more time, I believe, your spirit will sweep over this world, the final harvest. And I pray, Father, you would pour out the gift of repentance upon the people, all of us, that would turn to you with all our heart, with all our might, with all our strength, and believe in your Son. Thank you, Father. Commit all your dear ones who are listening now. And I pray that you touch to give up and to hold on to you. Let's pray for healing for everybody that is sick. For you are our healer. Your word says by your stripes we were healed. We believe. We believe in your word. And if we need to repent of anything that is blocking that healing, I pray your spirit will show so that we can let go of it. And the healing flow, Lord, into bodies, into lives, into hearts, into homes. Let go. For you came to save, not to condemn. When we don't repent, we condemn ourselves. Commit the whole church into the hands. Be with us, O Lord. Go before us. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Because without your word, we would have been ignorant and still perished. Because you gave us your word, we have a chance to repent and to be saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.